Welcome to Lean Back. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. And today we're talking about vibing. So maybe we can start with a little vibe check. Laura, how are the vibes today? I think if I had to describe my vibes, I would say chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually, I think, like the vibe that I give off is chaotic energy. Um, Also tired. Can that be a vibe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the vibe I get from most people. It's tired. <laughs> I think if I had to describe my vibes right now, it would be like joyful curmudgeon or like happy and crusty or something like that. You know? <laughs> Ragey but playful. Oh, no, no. I, I've been thinking a bunch when we decided to record this about how I feel about the term vibing and On the one hand, I really feel like it's doing maybe some important cultural work because it is this sort of displaced signifier. It's like, if you're vibing, you are feeling a way about a space or a place and you're trying to convey an interior sense of self. But on the other hand, it's so nonspecific that just signifying the vibing is supposed to do all of the cultural work, I guess to implicitly produce meaning. So it seems like a dodgy sort of enterprise thinking about vibing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I I mostly started hearing people use the word vibing after the pandemic started. And I think like using it as a way to make sense of a hard to understand moment, Mm -hmm. like, and to be able to grapple with a lot of complex feelings, like about your own health and viability and also like complex feelings about productivity. We are in a completely new space. And what does it mean to like work when there's no real clear sign that anyone cares about your health or well-being? <laughs> and so I think it came about then and was starting to be used as an anti-productivity way of being like, what are you doing? I'm just vibing, you know? as a I'm not doing anything actually just in the moment type of thing. Yeah, there is a presentness that vibing assumes, but I think you're right that the productivity stuff is interesting. I was thinking a bunch about, you know, we all were grappling with how to write emails. Like, hey, how are you? I need this totally ridiculous minutiae. Hope this finds you well. Yeah. How are things at the end of empire? And so I have been thinking about vibing in late capitalism with a plague in the midst of a climate catastrophe with a bunch of racial genocide, also the fascism. When you you think about the complex feelings for the politically aware folks, it's like, how do you even express that? Certainly, you know, in workspaces where the plague is spreading at work and the capital is eroding at work and right. All the negative feelings are at work and work itself is, you know, suspect. And then how do you convey that to others who are your actual community, especially if they're parasocial on the web? So I think you're right that the complexity of the moment lends itself to a term like vibing in ways that are maybe self-protective, maybe survivalist, and also tongue-in-cheek, right? So I think the humor side of vibing is very helpful. It's grown popular because there are ways that you can relate to people without having to like explicitly define how you're relating to them. 
So I think it opens up the possibility for connection or intimacy, intimacy, right. Without things having to be like labeled or defined. So I feel like online communities have started to use vibes as a way to just find other like-minded people. So there's like entire Instagram accounts that are kind of repackaged, like they don't create their own content. They're like finding stuff that fits a certain vibe. So, you know, in some cases, ones that I follow are like ones that like emit this like anxiety and frustration about the current moment. And so that's like kind of a vibe that I can like follow and relate to and be like, what are we doing here? <laughs> We're just waking up and going about our routines while everything is kind of like falling apart. That <laughs> So that's kind of a vibe that I feel like, again, like relates to the chaotic energy <laughs> I discussed earlier. You know, I'm teaching this seminar right now on the 60s and power and protest. And we've been talking a lot about how similar this political moment is, you know, at the end of 2022 with like 1968 and about dissimilarities too. But I'm thinking particularly about the language of hip and what it means to communicate in community without rationalizations or defensiveness or call out. So in some ways, I'm thinking a lot about how vibing works as a constitutive community discourse without producing conflict and about how with the collapse of a bunch of these social structures and or potentially the future, People need a way of moving forward in community, especially since the plague is, you know, happens right at the same time that all this like new racial consciousness is evolving around police violence and state violence and anti-Black public policy. And it seems to me that there is an optimism about vibing that is very white and very middle class and very technologically astute. And is both an opportunity to move forward through contention and also probably undercuts the potential for conflict to be productive. The thing about being able to participate in vibing though, is that I think it requires like for you to have space and for you to have time. And that's something our culture has like intentionally been extracting away from us. And so like using vibing as like a motivating force or something that can like operationalize in any kind of meaningful way. I, I just don't think is, is possible like without that time and space. And that's, I mean, time and space felt possible during the pandemic when there was that like slowdown for a second. And now like we're back <laughs> to like the hyperspeed, whether or not you're going back to the office or not, everything has been twisted back into like, we don't have time <laughs> and we don't have space. It's unsatisfying. You know, I think that that is the word that I've used the most frequently in the last two years. Like, how are you feeling unsatisfied? How are you feeling unsatisfied? There's this great book about queer theory by Lee Edelman called No Future, Queer Theory and the Death Drive. And we are in a super death drive moment, right? As like extractive capitalism expands and the gazillionaires and oligarchs are just fracking wealth out of the poor and then penalizing them with massive police repression here and around the globe. And so it makes sense that vibing is hyper-presentist if it doesn't feel like there's a future. I think that's the thing I see in the classroom so much is that the students don't have, they have no idea what future they're trying to prepare themselves for. It's completely unknowable. 
And of course, there is a sense that the future is always unknowable for everybody, but particularly for the intelligentsia, they operate, you know, the people, this college educated crew of middle class, broadly construed humans perceives the future to be something that they're always already a part of. And they don't see themselves in the future. So I do think that the temporality of vibing is really important because insofar as it is an idiom of whiteness, not exclusively, but certainly substantially, it does seem that white youth culture doesn't see themselves in the future and doesn't see this, the future as a place to be, which is a very interesting space to occupy at the moment. But at the same time, I think young people use that as a way to like understand that condition or, mm-hmm. you know, like use it as a way to like create that in group of youth culture, essentially that like millennials even are excluded from, you know, the Gen Z like angst against millennials is like the vibe is off, you know, they're corny, they're pleasers. I think they use or have like a certain aesthetic that they relate to that is like almost a rejection of the previous generation's adherence to and perpetuation of capitalism. I also think there's an aspect to it that's spiritual in this totally undefined, non-denominational, not necessarily Christian way. It's like this pastiche of spirituality and like Marianne Williamson and guru talk and mysticism, which is another reason why it's, it's sort of a throwback to the late 60s. That I think is interesting because it is a moment that's deeply rejecting Christian nationalism, even while it's being hyper embraced. So there's a sensibility about the spirituality that vibing glosses, right? It doesn't wholesale take it up, but it glosses spiritual presence. It glosses attentiveness, which is like everywhere in the literature right now is work culture and ambivalence about work culture and attentiveness and the attention economy and all that stuff. It glosses emotional intelligence, emotional IQ and all this empathy study and emotional self-awareness stuff that is all the self-help of like lady culture. So in that way, I also find it to be a very playful response to self-help Like, I don't need the book. I'm just vibing. Like, I'm not going to read that. I'm not spending money on that treatise like I saw a meme. I'm just vibing. And so I think that that probably is actually quite helpful in distancing the self from the proliferation of like truncated mental health messaging on the Internet, especially with an awareness that the mental health problems are caused by massive structural inequality that is intentionally propagated by public policy. So I do like that about it, that it feels like a massive distancing from organized religion and that it's lampooning it. It is fundamentally like intended as like a relational feeling, right? Right. Like you're trying to emit a wavelength, you know, when you're trying to vibe or you're trying to receive a wavelength. It in and of itself is not like the self-help thing where you're like looking inward for everything. To fix yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely an acknowledgement that like your environment plays a really big role in your inner uh, emotional state. Right. And so it's an acknowledgement that like all these things going around you do affect you. And like the vibes being bad is something that can affect your, you know, (laughs) inner state. And like the vibes being good is something that produces a positive feeling i think it's a way to like acknowledge that like you're not separate 
from the conditions that you exist in, right? And so it is like a rejection of that like self-help thing that like is blind to the fact that we're living in, that we're in a death drive, essentially. We're in the death drive and it's like, it is connective, right? It is, I think when people are saying whatever positive, negative about vibes or vibing, they're saying I'm expressing a thing about interiority and exteriority simultaneously, that is a fundamental awareness of my surroundings, right? Sense of feeling or place or space or community. That's what is the unspoken part of the enthymeme that I think is vibing, I think requires high context clues, which is why the aesthetics of it are also so interesting. And I'm thinking too, though, that it can be the case that vibing can be employed as an anti-politics, like no politics, just vibes. Or I'm thinking of like positive reacts only or wrong answers only, right? So I think all of those cluster together in a playful way of understanding what the rules of political engagement are and how to break them. And also how tired people are of fucking business as usual. So there is, I think... I don't know if it's cruel or yet a cruel optimism, but there's an optimism about how, what it means to describe the emperor and say that he has no clothes, right? So there was a lot of play during the Trump administration about pointing to his hypocrisies and excesses and in every way, physically, socially, sexually, that liberals got a lot of joy out of. And vibing is the opposite of that kind of mean-spirited, understandable but pointed political play. Vibing is, you know, looking at the audience and waking being like, this is all complete bullshit, right? Like, sure, I'll vote. And also it's a fucking trade. So both things are true at the same time. And I feel like that is an orientation towards politics that we have not seen. Gen Xers did not have that in the same way at all. And obviously... Only really the Beats had it and some of the counterculture of the hippies had some of it, but it hasn't really existed in the same way, which I think speaks to the generational power of vibing and what it is reorienting younger generations to in terms of their political affect. It does feel apolitical. I think vibing is, it's like a rejection. I, I almost feel like it's stepping away and not having to like... So I feel like a lot of the... It's a lean back. It's, it's a definitely lean, a lean back. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the point I was getting at. Yeah. Essentially is, you know, most of the things that are framed in that term are to not care, to have that casual aesthetic that's considered a vibe and to be like a tryhard. <laughs> and like, yeah. So, I mean, like anything yeah. in that political sphere comes across as like tacky or authentic. It's interesting. It would be interesting to constellate vibing and the gig economy and social media usage as part of a different orientation of intimacies, obviously, because I think that they are all in tandem in the conversation about trying too hard, about authenticity, about caring too much. And It's about not having negative attachments to negative shit, right? Like, I think, obviously, I've lampooned Joe Biden for many years on the podcast because I think he's garbage and I find him completely loathsome. He is an object of revulsion for me. 
And so to just say there's an election vibes only (laughs) makes sense because I don't ever want to talk about him as a serious political thing, right? He is a product of a massive accumulation of extractive capital and white masculinity and anti-blackness and misogyny. And like, I mean, there's a way to not take him seriously, even though he was the not Trump. And I think just vibing connects the internet play and the anti-politics and like the gig economy's critique of capital and cubicle life and 60 hour work weeks and shifts in the family and not having kids and awareness of climate catastrophe, these things all together in a way that is very lean back. It's very, it's a, an unattached critical appraisal and it's enthematic, right? You just get one half sentence of what you're vibing about. It doesn't become a diatribe. I mean, that's the irony of recording a whole podcast about it, obviously. (laughs) I mean, I agree to an extent, but I also think like vibing can be a replacement, you know, like I think our lean back is like an active, purposeful rejection of our death drive culture, essentially. But we think about it from the orientation of creating like a community or, you know, like using intimacy and play. Um, And I, I think via being... It's not a an intentional creation of community, right? It's oh, like great. it's contingencies only, right? And so I think sometimes it can create like an in group or like an us versus them kind of thing that is not helpful. And it, I think it it can create like emotional states where like voting isn't a vibe, and you don't vote because you just feel like completely disaffected. Or I mean, like I think it is more of a disengagement then lean back. What if vibing is the hookup culture of politics? What if vibing is just a retweet? I think it is kind of like a low energy intent to relate, but without any kind of content. Exactly. Yeah. So it's an all set. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, like by default, vibing is something where it frees you from the burden of having to define like what you're feeling, but because you're not defining like what you're feeling, you're not engaging with it as, as much, I think. So we think that vibing is really just avoidance in the way that it is operationalizing on like social media. I would say for sure. It's like, let me go look at these like pictures of the beach. Um, (laughs) Let me look at the dark Brandon memes so I can feel better about Joe Biden, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is lazy and I also think it prioritizes certain aesthetics that are like white and hyper consumerist too. I mean, I think like what's happening on social media around like the vibe hashtags and around that, like disaffected emotional state is that it's becoming like a hyper consumerist, like everything else. So (laughs) authenticity was something that brands were trying to achieve in the early to mid 2000s. Now I think what brands are trying to do is create that cool, like disaffected, like apolitical vibe as a way to sell to the Gen Z, you know, that doesn't want to be lame or like, please. (laughs) And so they're creating like this cool disaffected type of energy. I mean, they want that because they don't want the left politics, actually. So they don't want the accountability and they don't want the redistribution of tax you know, money and they don't want to crack down on 
CEO pay and they don't want labor unions. They don't want to raise wages and they don't want universal health care. So capitalizing on disaffect is a winning strategy for the right. There's no doubt about it. The production of it, though, by youth is a countercultural impulse. But I think you're right that it's not grounded in the same kind of creating community. It's just a way to not engage necessarily. I don't think it's successful at all as a protest politics, but it's, it's sort of like the thoughts and prayers of like care, right? Like if I just think about how many meal trains I've been involved in in the last six months and how many of people I've taken stuff to or done stuff for who really needed care and like vibing is like the thoughts and prayers, you know, with the prayer emoji of political discourse or, It's a very thin discourse that has potential, I think, almost exclusively on the register of play, right? I mean, you talked about the Dark Brennan memes, which are absolutely hilarious, right? Because they expose the projection of the right onto Biden and their fears of centrism. I mean, I don't know. And it it makes such light of that kind of panic. Uh, but it doesn't really help us manage the fact that we've got all these white panicked people who are gunning up and funding the police and destroying communities, right? So the play has a necessary limit. It doesn't, it never goes further than that limit. It's always already self-contained. So I like the way that you're talking about the relationship between vibing, authenticity, and capital, because I think that winking and nodding about capital can only take us so far. The thing is that... Like, I don't vibe very much because I work too much to vibe. And I feel like that's true of most people. So it's interesting to think, like, who is... Who's out there vibing? Vibing. Who does the vibing? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Gen Z. (laughs) Because they have a lot of time, right? Like, they're, you know, not in the workforce yet. And they've been at home online. Right. Doing stuff online. And then there's like the aspirational influencers, you know, it's like TikTok videos of someone's apartment that basically means, you know, I have a lot of time or I have a lot of money or usually both. What could be a useful like form of relating like has just been co-opted again? No, but I think of like a counter discourse like jazz. Jazz is all about vibing. It's about improvisation. It's about contingent community. It's about breaking rules. It's about black liberation. It's about internationalism. It's about promiscuous audiences and desegregation. It's about desire. It's about sometimes masculinity and sometimes not. It's about violence. It's about a whole host of things. I feel like jazz is about vibes and is not just about vibes. So vibing is a necessary but not sufficient way to understand the importance of jazz. And maybe that helps us understand the limits of vibing itself as a self-contained meme to understand how people are anti-relating. You know, it, and it's not anybody's fault, really, right? The alienation of capital, especially in the plague, has been fucking crushing, So there's plenty of blame to go around about the stratification of wealth producing such a vapid political vocabulary. But also it just seems to me that the path forward has to overcome vibing as a self-limiting thing, right? For the same reason, because you're like, this depresses voter turnout and people don't get engaged. And they're like, democracy itself is vibes only. Governance is just vibes only. 
there's a sense in which that's kind of true, except for the capital behind it that's, you know, force adding all these fucking cops. So vibing, I think it's not an innocuous term, even while it's a term of youth culture that has potentially ambivalent orientation towards the politics. I actually think it's kind of a central keyword for understanding generational feelings about disaffect and political violence and governance and wealth hoarding, generational wealth hoarding, and a bunch of other things. So on the one hand, I'm glad that it exists because I think it helps us to see where the cleavages are generationally in terms of how the youth see how the boomers have just shit their future away. And it's an essential thing to understand that kind of resentment because there is a latent resentment behind vibing because it's like, yeah, well, I mean, our sexual future is over, right? Because Roe is over. They're coming for birth. Care. Like what pleasure is left? It's just fucking casual vibes. Like we're all just, we're hooking up. There is no future for like the things that the boomers had. And so I think that tells us a lot about what's been lost. Some of it for the good, obviously, but some of it I think is more about the stratification of power and wealth than not. Mm-hmm.